patriotism, faith, national unity, education, fiscal responsibility, civility, the values that define America. Fascinating stories and talks from America-loving patriots dedicated to preserving freedom, opportunity, and justice. Welcome to the Friends and Fellow Citizens Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 50 of Friends and Fellow Citizens. I'm your host, Sherman Tylowski. Thank you so much for joining us today. I look forward to this conversation. I hope that you will enjoy this episode as well. If you haven't already, please make sure you subscribe to Friends and Fellow Citizens episodes every single Monday. Don't miss a single episode. We have a lot of great content for you coming up this year and for many years to come. Today, I'd like to welcome our special guest, Britton Bennett. As a victim of extreme cyberbullying, Britton knew she had a choice. She could let the bullies win, or she could use her experiences to help others. She has created an acronym called TBH that later on became an anti-bullying nonprofit agency. Through TBH, Britton has presented to over 60,000 students on a national level. Britain is a skilled and qualified social media influencer with an extraordinary track record in creating and posting social media content, increasing viewer following, event management, public speaking, collaborating with celebrity clientele, serving as a national spokesperson, and managing all aspects of a 501c3 nonprofit agency. Truly a remarkable person to know, and I'm very, very excited to have her on the show. Britton, thank you so much for coming on to Friends and Fellow Citizens. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Fantastic. Well, let's get right into a bit about your background. You know, this topic that we're talking about today is about the role of social media, in particular about cyberbullying, some of the other social media-related issues that we might explore later on today. But I'd like to first ask about you know, how you really got into this space about cyberbullying, and really just the effects of social media on young people in general. Absolutely. So I know this past year for everybody has been an extremely hard time, but one of the things that I'm extremely passionate about is social media, as you mentioned. And this past year, the one thing that it did teach me is that my ideas that society is dependent on social media, not only for education or entertainment, but for your career, it's it's necessary. Our society needs it anymore in our day-to-day lives. So yeah, as you mentioned, social media to me is everything. I was part of that generation that grew up with a tablet in my hand around 10 years old, but I did have that time beforehand where I was able to go outside and play with my friends and not have to worry about what the internet is. But my sister, on the other hand, grew up with an iPhone at such a young age. She doesn't remember anything other than using that as entertainment. So it is something to me that it is something that needs to be talked about, whether it is me going in and talking about TBH, which is my nonprofit organization, or me educating parents about social media so they're able to have those conversations with their children. Social media is something that is dangerous, but it's only dangerous if the person behind it is using it in a negative way. 
Sure. And let's kind of start from the beginning here. Uh, I thought your website really told an amazing story about how you got into this space. It's not an easy task to go into something that you feel that is such a large problem in our society, even though the dependence is so great. Tell us a bit about your story uh, with regards to cyberbullying. I know that this is something that probably was very tough for you to uh, recall, not to mention to share with other people, but you managed to have that confidence to share it with plenty of young people, but also parents and uh, lawmakers and others. So uh, share with us, share with us a little bit about your story on that. Absolutely. So I went into high school just like every other 13, 14 year old did. And parents told me all the time that I was going to love high school. I was always wanting to go back. Those were the best four years of their lives. I'm going to have the best four years of mine. But unfortunately, it was the complete opposite. I still do not plan on ever walking through the halls of my high school. I was cyberbullied on an application called Ask FM, um, a place where you were able to send comments and questions to other people anonymously. I was cyberbullied every day for over six months, receiving hundreds of harassing questions and comments. Um, things like, you shouldn't wear a dress and heels every day. And if you didn't wear that outfit every day, nobody would know who you were. You're fake. Nobody likes you. People use you for your stuff. Um, all of your friends are not actually your friends and they talk about you behind your back. Little things like that over time really, really built up to the point where I sat my parents down at dinner one night and told them I did not want to live anymore. Wow. This is a conversation. Yeah. And this is a conversation that a lot of kids are scared to talk about. I mean, when I was bullied in high school, I was that girl that was always going out of my way to be nice to others, always trying to go into as many clubs as possible to help others do those community service things. But yet I was the person being bullied. It showed me that anybody can be a victim of bullying. It doesn't matter who you are or what you do, but everybody has the ability to overcome it. No matter how bad, no matter how much you're struggling, there is a point in time that it just clicks in your head and you realize that you have a choice. You either can dread every single day or you can use your experiences to go out and help others and make sure it doesn't happen to anybody around you from you. So social media, again, this is something that it's hard because my parents did not grow up with social media. They didn't have social media until I had social media. So we all thought it was just a fun activity that we could have to stay in contact with friends across the nation. But in reality, it, it set up a wall between me and my parents where I didn't feel comfortable telling them what was happening to me. And I didn't feel comfortable or I didn't feel like they would understand to the extent of what it was. I see parents say all the time, like, just turn off your phone or don't look at it. But this is our everyday life. And like, when you go to school and something is happening at school, you can't just go home and ignore it because that follows you home on that small device in your hand. So that is how it started for me. I was at my lowest of lows. I was laying in bed. I was bawling my eyes out. I had my sister tell me she didn't know who I was anymore and didn't want to even be like seen with me. And I had my mom pulling me out of bed every day by my ankles and dressing me for school, pushing me out the door to force me to go. I was not talking to my friends. My friends were also ignoring me because they thought that I was just like 
not friends with them or I was not happy with them or something. But in reality, I just wasn't happy with myself. I started changing myself. I stopped wearing heels. I stopped wearing the makeup. I started wearing sweatpants to school, which is fine. But my my teachers were asking if I was okay, if I was sick, if I needed to go home. And I always said yes and went home. This is where it was just me changing who I was, trying to make other people happy. And at the end of the day, the only person that was not happy Other people still weren't happy, but I wasn't happy. And that should always be the priority. Make yourself happy and be true to who you are. In that moment when I sat in bed and my sister said she didn't know who I was, that's when I was like, oh, I need to do something. And I started my nonprofit that right then and there, that second, I opened my computer and started writing out what I was feeling, what I needed to do, what are the things every day that helped me feel better. And that was T, talking to somebody. B, blocking out all of the hate, no matter how hard it is. And H, going out and helping others because helping others helped me in return. So TBH was born. Well, Britton, that's such a fascinating story because you brought out a lot of emotions and the feelings that you were going through in that difficult time. And you're absolutely right when it comes to this idea that social media has just gone so quickly beyond a generation that previous generations kind of have to really put themselves, try to put themselves into uh, our generation's shoes. And it's, it's not something that's always going to be easy, is it? No, not exactly. Right. And when you were sharing about, you know, just some of the things that you were going through, I I just, I, I was thinking a little bit about kind of my high school and how there were instances, especially when I was in student council, I saw some instances of that. Um, it's a it's a very very tough environment. I want to ask you about what the school's policies were when it came to something like this. Did they have a system in place where they can support their students if there was the cyberbullying going on, or was there just a you know a lack of support for uh, the students who? You know, could have could have been in the situation, but the school just really didn't anticipate th- this to be as big of a problem. I it's really hard for me to sit here and talk bad about a school system, but it is a problem across every school on the nation. And during my experiences, I went to the principals one day because I went out to my car in between exams. I left a book in my car, and when I reached down to the handle on the driver's seat to open the door. I realized somebody keyed into my car, K-Y-S, so kill yourself. And I went and I told the principals and said, hey, I just want to let you know that this happened. By the way, during this time, I already had TBH going. I was talking to kids about anti-bullying and I was getting bullied about my anti-bullying nonprofit. Long story short, it's whatever. Um, (laughs) I went to the principals and told them, hey, my car got keyed. Could you look into the cameras and see like what happened? Or like, could you just let me know like what the next steps are? I really want to figure out like what's going on. And they said, kind of laughed about it. And they said, yeah, we'll look into it. And so the next day I walked in, I didn't hear anything from them. And they said that where I was parked out of the entire parking lot at the school, there were hundreds of parking spots where I was parked wasn't shown on the cameras. Now, I don't believe that. But at the same time, I was actually being bullied by teachers. I had teachers hearing students talk bad about me and joining in. And my friends at the time would hear it and tell me about it. I had teachers that would kind of ignore the situation whenever they saw something or if they noticed I wasn't acting okay, they just kind of like laughed it off and said that I was being a baby about it. 
And this is hard to talk about because these are adults that should be supportive of the students and should be there every day to help those kids that walk into their door. But I couldn't even trust them. And I didn't feel like they were going to be able to help. So I just felt very, very alone. And that is why I take every day to try and educate one person, have a positive impact on one person about social media and how powerful it truly is. Because if you have kids coming to you saying that something is wrong, you should take that your position of power. You should take all of the utensils and resources you have to make sure that that doesn't happen again for anybody else, but also make sure that that student feels supported and feels like they can trust you going forward. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm just shocked at how, you know, they can make something up and just assume that you'll believe it. You know, it's kind of quite, it's quite demeaning, uh, in my, in my opinion. And, yeah. um, I want to now just ask about how, when, when did you realize that you were not alone in, in cyberbullying? When, when was the point where you realized that perhaps there were people you knew and people who may may have maybe living all across the nation who are facing this particular challenge. Yeah. So when I started TBH, that realization of this has to be going on to other kids is just because I knew how well I was hiding it. And I had a, a couple people I knew at the time that came to me that told me that they were going through it and I was there for them. So I knew that this was a problem and I knew that this is something that was only going to continue unless somebody stood up and did something about it. When I started TBH, I actually received a phone call within the first year of me doing presentations from a mother. Um, and she, I answered the phone. It was a random number. I never had her number saved. I'd never met this woman in my life. And she was a mother of a student that went to school about 20 minutes from where I was at the time. And she was sobbing on the phone to me. And I could barely understand what she was saying. But when she calmed down and explained what was happening, her son committed suicide before entering high school because his bullying was so bad. And he went and told teachers and he went and told administrators and they did nothing. And they saw it on the cameras and they did nothing. And she told me that I was the living, breathing version of her son. And I needed to keep going and continue to educate and continue to bring awareness to this issue. Because if not, there are going to be more and more kids just like her son. And that was a week after her son decided to take his own life in the backyard while he while the family was there. It's a terrible thing to think about. But at the same time, it gave me purpose. And it made me realize that there is that line of life and death. And there is that line that everybody has a choice to cross over. And I was lucky enough, something in my brain, something in the universe told me to stop and use it for good instead of continue to use it for bad or stop it all. And so there is a purpose here. There is a mission here. A lot of people questioned my anti-bullying platforms that I did it just for pageants at the time. And I wouldn't continue a nonprofit and take it as far as I have if it wasn't something I actually care about. This is an issue and people need to stand up and it is something that everybody can be part of, good or bad. Social media, everybody has it. We're doing it right now. Most of the people that will listen to a podcast, grab their phone, plug it into their car, plug it into their earphones, and they listen to it through a social media app. And that is something that everybody does every single day. And so you have a choice to use it for good or for bad. Make sure that you are using it for good. Yeah, that really reminds me of that, uh, that quote from President George H.W. Bush, who said that public service is a noble calling. And I feel that when you were 
telling me that story about how you found that purpose, it felt a bit like a like a grander calling, you know. And that's absolutely that. That's what it reminded me about. And not, not to mention, I'm I went to the Bush School, and so that that quote always comes out a lot because everyone's got their own story. And I really, I just want to thank you so much for sharing that that story when you had that purpose that you know that uh, that moment of purpose for yourself no, i want to now so much it. <laughs> no problem and i want to now switch gears a bit back to kind of the origins of what we're discussing today and you know cyberbullying thing is such also such a new concept a bit like social media how it is a new concept that has evolved quite a bit and but also i i believe it's it's multiplied a lot especially as you were saying earlier about how widely social media is used. Can you share with us about how that compares to say like, I don't know if there's like a real term for this, but it's kind of like, you know, schoolyard bully, you know, the kind of like the bullies that we kind of see in like the older movies, you know, the kid who picks on or the um, the student who picks on other kids. You know, what are the the similarities and differences you see between cyberbullying and kind of the, the quote unquote traditional bullying that we've seen in schools you know, really since schools were ever invented? There are three main types of bullying that I discuss with kids anytime I do a presentation, just so they're educated on the types of bullying there are and what they may be experiencing. So what you were talking about, the schoolyard bully, that's called physical bullying. That is physically hurting somebody, obviously. This is actually more common if you couldn't already assume through with um, boy students, with guys. They assert their dominance physically. And once it's done, it's done typically. Then if we go to the female side, there is a thing called indirect bullying. That's talking bad about each other behind their back. That's leaving people out of social gatherings on purpose. That is trying to make other people jealous on purpose. And this is something that of course it's through all students, but mostly through girl students. And then finally, the top bullying, the thing I'm here for (laughs) is cyberbullying. And that is just something that it could be a combination of everything. It's just, it totally encaptures your life because with indirect bullying, you can leave the social situation and completely ignore it and not think about it. If you can, that's a way to get out of it. Physical bullying, you just leave the scene, you get out of there. Of course, there is that thought in the back of your mind, but you aren't being physically bullied if you are not being physically bullied. Cyberbullying is something that you take those experiences from school. You get bullied at school, you get physically bullied, you get indirect bullied, and then you go home and you have to remember it. And you see those people on your Instagram, you see those people on Twitter, and they're talking about an anonymous person on their social platforms. And you know, and everybody else knows that it's you. It is something that totally takes over every hour, every second of your day. And you can't just turn it off. You can't. I mean, you can, but it's almost impossible to fully let it go. It's something that's part of our daily lives. I don't know how many times I'm going to say that in the next 40 minutes, but it is something that is totally in our lives and we have to accept it. And we need to be educated and aware of all of the dangers that come along with that small device that you're holding in your hand. And when it comes to the origins of bullying and particular, let's focus on cyberbullying, obviously, but why do kids engage in cyberbullying? Is there some kind of combination of insecurity of people who just are not taught right in families? What do you think are the biggest causes of cyberbullying in your opinion and in your research in other, other places? 
Yeah, I've, I actually sent out a survey to some parents and some students and just trying to get information. In my county, we all have the health department and they have the surveys where they send it out to students and students like put in their health and their demographic um, just identities, things like that. So the entire county is able to see what the county is made up of. But in there, there was nothing about bullying and your experiences in school with bullying. There were test scores and things like that and physical health, but there was nothing about mental health regarding bullying, depression, anxiety. Yes, but nothing about the causes of them. And I really, really pushed hard to get those statistics in that pamphlet, just so everybody was aware of like what other factors go into depression, go into anxiety and why, uh, why everybody is so just feeding into social media and why is social media such a big issue. And what we found is that a big part of anxiety and low self-esteem and depression comes from the comparison that they are seeing from themselves on social media. I personally believe that the reason why students continue every day to bully other students or other kids online is A, because they're too afraid to do it in person and it is very easy to type on your phone miles away from somebody else something bad about them. And B, I don't think people are taught how to use social media properly and how much of an impact that tweet or that Instagram caption or that comment on somebody's post will be in 10 years. During my um, one of my interviews for a job, they brought up, because I was going for a social media job, they brought up a question that I was completely stumped on. And they were like, so do you like cats or dogs more? And I was like, this is very odd for a professional interview. Um, I was like, um, cats. I like cats. And they were like, well, that's funny because in 2012, when you tweeted, one of your first tweets said that you liked dogs more than cats. So can you explain yourself? And basically what they did there is they were just making sure that I was aware that they went through all of my social platforms. They went through everything that I've ever said, and I needed to represent the brand well. That really opened my eyes to why students lose their scholarships for athletes and um, academic reasons. I remember seeing a news article about a football player that said he was going to completely destroy this team on Friday night. They're not even that good. So everybody needs to come out and support. And he lost a full ride scholarship to a D1 college just because he was bullying another school. Yes, those tweets matter. Yes, it does have an actual impact. It's not just 140 characters that you type out on a Thursday night to try and bring support to the football game the next day. You are actually having an impact not only on other people, but on the reputation of yourself. And you need to be aware of that. But these kids aren't taught that. And that's why I go out of my way to teach parents about social media, make sure they're aware so they have the ability to go have those tough conversations, those easy conversations with their children before just handing them a tablet to keep them entertained while you're shopping in a grocery store. I love what you said about bringing this and relating to education because so much of the the cyber realm or social media realm is kind of maybe what we see in Washington or in other legislative bodies. And not to say that it's not an issue there. It's just there's maybe so much more on the the local area, perhaps. You know, people have maybe having honest conversations about this. So um, could you then dive in a bit more into the effects of cyberbullying on particularly the victims and, you know, how that could complicate their lives, uh, not just in the short term, but in the long term as well? Yeah. So 
Cyberbullying, I mentioned a couple. It obviously has the same effects as other just negative comments being thrown at somebody's way over a period of time. So anxiety, depression, things along those lines, low self low self-esteem especially. But something that we don't really talk about is the way that on social media, it is very easy to want to fit in. And it is very easy to seem like you fit in by just agreeing with all of the likes and all the retweets of somebody that has a huge following. And what that does, it creates a bias and it creates a kind of like a competition between the two sides of every story. Unfortunately, there is no story ever that actually only specifically has two sides and you don't have to see everything as right or wrong, but bullying bullies people into thinking that way. And I've learned over the years, especially if we do go into politics, I use politics as a huge um, platform for me, even though I'm not going and siding with one side or the other, I have gone to Washington, D.C. and sat with the leading representatives of a bipartisan problem solvers caucus that takes all of the middle issues that everybody can agree on and try to push our country forward in a positive way. So like you said, education is something that everybody agrees on. Everybody thinks that education needs to be at the top. Everybody thinks that our children are the next faces of America and we need to make sure that they are educated on every platform. And social media, social media needs to be part of that, in my opinion, because social media has the opposite effect of what we're saying. And you start to realize, oh, once you like one person's tweet, you'll start to see opinions just like that other person because the Twitter algorithm will then show you posts like that. And it kind of creates this unfortunate division. I like to think of like high school when you have like all the football players at one table and the cheerleaders at another and like the kids that did band at another table. You kind of have that, but in social media and you aren't able to see the other side of things. So if we are thinking, hey, what's another issue that isn't really talked about with social media or cyberbullying? It is the fact that there is bias. And it is the fact that you try so hard to fit in that you may just side with one thing because you think it's cool. And then you start bullying other people that don't see the same thing as you. It is a very unfortunate cycle that we are starting to come across as time goes on. Right. And you you brought up something that I think is very pertinent, especially not just to myself, but to the lawmakers you've met in Washington, I'm sure, and people across the nation. And that really is the divide that we see in this in country in regards to political polarization. Not to mention that with the COVID-19 pandemic, a lot of people have lost uh, temporarily or perhaps long term, uh, the personal connections that we we make with one another and social media, I think, is a can be a great medium to connect people from far away, just as we're doing right now. Uh, but then there's the other part too, where where if you're spending too much time on social media, then there are additional problems when it comes to you know, being able to relate to the real world, so to speak. And and I want to ask you if you've seen how. This issue of cyberbullying and the biases you mentioned, and how how that spills over to a, a political divide that we're seeing uh, in on social media platforms and really across our civil discourse. I think it. I think everybody knows that it is very obvious that if we want to look big, if we want to look huge, and you want to think of your legislators, um, your political leaders that are on social media. There are the ones that are promoting themselves, they're promoting what, promoting what they believe, there's this and that, but then there's always that side 
there's always those people that use it to talk bad on others, whether it's upcoming elections, talk bad on others, that kind of just says like what my opinion is, is right. And what other people's opinions are, are wrong. And when you have young kids seeing these political authority, it's just, it's very upsetting because you see, you see these adults that are supposed to be role models for young kids doing what they shouldn't be doing. And these kids are following along saying, oh, well, if that's right, then that's right. And what everybody else is doing is wrong. And I'm going to make sure that they know it's wrong. And I'm going to use social media like the people I look up to and make sure those people understand that what they're doing is wrong. That's not how we should be doing anything at all. I am a very in the middle person. I can say it out loud because that's how I am. And I like knowing every side of every story. There's not just right or wrong. Everybody has a reason. Everybody has a purpose. Everybody has a story regarding their opinions and why they think that they, the way they do. And we should be open and understanding of those stories. We should be open to listening to them and understanding why people say the things they do, why people believe the things they do, and why people do the things they do based on their personal experiences and personal, not only experiences, but just like their upbringing. Everybody has a different background. Everybody has a different way of living. And that could lead into different opinions. There isn't just right or wrong. And using social media to promote that there's right or wrong causes young kids, younger teenagers, people that are trying to fit in to do the exact same thing, leading to bullying, leading to bias, and leading to one-sided, very judgmental um, viewership. That is such a remarkable quote that you said about like just everyone's got that own story, right? And I've always been one to try and get as many stories as possible on friends and fellow citizens, and it's and and once again, obviously, you've you've told a number of, of great stories that uh, that have fueled your purpose, right, and your mission. And I, I really, I, I'm so grateful for that. I really, I, I think it's just such a great fit for the show, and. Now I want to turn to more on the the general societal aspect when it comes to I know your view on how social media can, is a bit of a or at least I should say the usage of it too uh, how it's a bit of a reflection of some of the social and the cultural changes that are happening within our society uh, is there any link that you see between you know, how society and culture are changing since in the last few decades and what we're seeing on social media platforms as we kind of try to figure out what the best solution is to keep people safe, but also grow the pie and have more people talk with one another. Yeah. Social media is not the bad guy. And that is something when I talk to parents about being smart, smart, I probably should have let everybody know smart is an acronym that stands for social media awareness, respect, and timing. Having parents be smart is a way for them to be educated on the social media applications that their children may be using and the dangers that come along with it. They're able to show children, their children, other children, how to respect one another and themselves on social media and timing when it is appropriate to turn off the electronic device, turn off the laptop, turn off the phone and have face-to-face communication with people. Thankfully, that is happening again now that everything is starting slowly but surely to calm down in our nation with COVID. But face-to-face communication is huge. And we've had we've seen a huge increase on people using Zoom and FaceTime to communicate with one another. And when we do that, a lot of issues came into my head. And I saw that people are not educated 
and people need to be educated and people need to teach others how to be educated on social media and what those what those positive things every day that you can do on social media, whether it's just like a comment, like, hey, like cute outfit, whatever, that little bit of positivity can turn around somebody's day 180. And something that I am starting to do, Be a Smart Parent Day is a statewide day in Ohio. I actually just met with the Lieutenant Governor of Georgia about two days ago, actually, to talk about bringing it to Georgia as a statewide day to bring awareness for parents. But another thing that I'm going to start pushing is that social media is taught in schools, middle schools, maybe even elementary schools, not necessarily part of necessary curriculum, but as a starting off as a elective, something that they have a choice to do. So everybody that is handed a device is able to use that device, not only in a positive way, but in a safe way. And that is something that does lead to politicians. It leads to those politicians online that are saying what they're saying and having young kids look up to them, they are going to be taught. Everybody is going to have the education that they need to use this new technological world for the greater good and not hurt anybody mentally or even physically. Well, that's really, really wonderful to hear. And I, I, I worked, I interned for a member of, uh, from Georgia. So um, I, I believe the lieutenant governor is Jeff Duncan, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, it um, is. <laughs> all right, good. I, my, my member would be pleased uh, to know my Georgia politics, <laughs> um, <laughs> even though I've. <laughs> I know, even though I've never really set foot in Georgia, uh, I, the I ninety five corridor is really the extent that I've gone to Georgia. <laughs> but I'm I'm trying to improve on that one day. <laughs> um, but I I want to now get into the some of the, the really the the title of today's episode, and I I I thought of a few titles, and Britain, you can imagine how many titles I went through when I came to coming up with the podcast name. So this is not, not nothing new for me, but I was really thinking of you know what's a good positive title for this episode and i thought of guiding forces of kindness uh, because that's what yeah so i I really want to to put that as part of the title so as we kind of think of some solutions to have those quote quote, guiding forces of kindness could you emphasize uh, could you elaborate a bit more on tbh and really just you know the core values and uh, maybe some of the numbers uh, that you've seen uh, with regards to the extent of the work and maybe any success stories you'd like to share as well. Oh, absolutely. So the mission behind TBH, if I had to consolidate the entire hour presentation I do for students into one statement, it would be in a world where you can be anything, be kind. It is something that everybody has the ability to do. I say it's a universal language Everyone knows what a smile is. Everybody knows what a hug is. Everybody understands that helping somebody pick up papers when they drop them is a positive act and it's an act of kindness. The smallest act of kindness make the biggest, biggest impact on daily lives. When I say everybody's able to be be kind and use kindness to their, I don't know, just to not only help others, but to help themselves, something I like to tell them is, who is your role model? Who is somebody that you look up to? And kids will immediately start thinking of celebrities and some of their favorite athletes. And one of my role models is Dwayne Wade, who is a former NBA basketball player. 
not because I love basketball. I suck at playing it. So don't ask me if I'm able to play it, but I love watching basketball and he was one of my favorite players. But when I dug deeper into what I actually like about him is that he always used his platform and used his success to build up other people, whether it be through a full ride scholarship for somebody who wanted to go to um, law school, but wasn't able to go because of the money. He did that. Uh, family had their house burned down and lost everything. He paid for everything and a house just so they could get back on their feet faster. He uses everything that he has for other people. And he wants to have other people be just as successful as he is. He isn't selfish about it. So I tell kids, you don't have to be, you don't have to have the talents of your favorite athlete. You don't have to have the singing abilities of Beyonce or your favorite singer. You don't have to have the money of some of these reality TV show families in order to make a positive impact on other people. All you have to do is be kind because kindness is the first step to doing all of those bigger and better things. Being kind is the best thing that you can do every day. And it makes other people smile. It makes you smile. And what's bad about being happy? There's nothing bad about being happy. But going on to the success of TBH, I've been able to speak to over 60,000 students on a national level. I've partnered with some worldwide organizations like Mars for Three Musketeers, the candy bar. I've worked with Paul Mitchell Hair Care. I currently work for a PR agency, one of the top PR agencies in the entire nation. And we work with some huge clients that also have a positive giving back um, segment to them. They're always having um, giving back moments or charities tied to them. Then it gives me every day that little bit of positivity that I'm able to put out into the world. But I've worked with legislators. I've worked with um, Madam Secretary Madam Secretary Hillary Clinton. As I mentioned, I just went to the state capitol. I've worked with national legislators. It's something that everybody understands. It is something that everybody can do. And that means that no matter what your opinions are, who you voted for, what your favorite sport is, what you did in high school, you can be the solution. You can be kind and we can put an end, not just to cyberbullying, but to negativity in general and judgment and one-sided stories because everybody has more than one side and we should be open and being positive and being kind and allowing others to speak their mind without immediately judging and saying that they're wrong. TBH has taught me every day that it's so easy. And when people ask me, what is like my biggest accomplishment? I will never rattle off that long list of people I've worked with or all the scholarships or awards that I've won for TBH. The best thing to me and the thing that I care about most is the lives that I've touched or the positive impact I've had on students or the stories I've heard from the students that I've talked to. That's what is like my favorite thing in the world. It's the thing that when somebody comes up and says, I want to be like you when I grow up, you can, you can, I promise I am not athletic. I can't sing. I can't dance. I don't have a lot of money. And that doesn't mean anything because you want to be like me and I am average and you might have even more talent than I can. And you can go out and be that person. All you have to do is be kind. That's the only thing I've done. I've gotten success because I've been nice. I've gotten success because I've gone out of my way to be kind to others. And it's so easy to be successful when success is kindness. Success is being nice. And the key to success is positivity. 
such a fitting segment for our our title today. And and I really appreciate your approach and recognizing that this is a bipartisan issue, bring people together in probably ways which people might not have expected. I know that for Democrats, Republicans, independents, third parties, I know that every single one of them probably has a story regarding social media, uh, indirectly or directly. And, and I really... I, I think about real quick, I, I think about something like there was this hearing for the Energy and Commerce Committee, and it was we had social media companies and the lawmakers who were very understandably very upset at them for various different issues. But I I just compare that heated hearing, heated congressional hearing, who doesn't love those, right? Um, (laughs) And I compare that to the message that you're putting out. And I I really, really love the, the simple message that you leave for people. And that leads me to my other question, which is about, you know, the Be a Smart Parent campaign. And how can parents, recognizing that their children are in this kind of generational culture and medium uh, do their part to help not just their kids, but also maybe other parents and other kids who are going through issues with cyberbullying and other uh, social media related issues. Education is, is it, you need to be educated, not only for your kids, but yourself. When I told my mom about the bullying that I was going through, she just was heartbroken because it wasn't like I went to her and said, Hey mom, this is happening on my phone. Can you help? It was, Hey mom, this has gotten to the point where I've hid it from you for so long because I don't think you understand what I'm going through that. I just think, I think I need to end it all. I think it needs to be done. And having your son or daughter, having your kid come to you at dinner and you think it's just been a great Tuesday evening and then telling you that they're thinking about ending their lives about some, because of comments on a technological device, it's eye-opening because she literally told me she had no idea how to help or she had no idea what that app was. And she didn't know anything other than Facebook, which is what most parents know. But from that point forward, she took it upon herself to learn and she took it upon herself to understand what I was going through. And ever since I've always been able to say, Hey mom, like, did you see this on social? Like, what do you recommend me doing about it? And she always has an opinion because she's educated and aware of what could be going through that person's mind or what could be going on during that post. And it's just nice knowing that I can trust her and that she can trust me and we can have those conversations that we weren't able to have before. So any my advice to parents is take it upon yourself and realize that not being educated and just throwing your child to the wolves on social is selfish. It really is. And it's so easy to just go on your phone that you're already on and download a new app or go on YouTube and look up dangers of social media or look up the top social media apps going on in 2021 and what dangers could be going along with those. What are the security settings? What are the privacy settings? What are things that you could be doing before handing your child that cell phone or tablet that would keep them safer in the long run? Educate yourself, figure out technology timeouts. I like to say dinner time is a perfect time. Set your phone down. Don't let any technology be at the dinner table. Have those conversations and start teaching your kid how to respect others online and how sarcasm or jokes may not be seen as sarcasm or jokes online because there's no emotion tied to it. It's just 
words that anybody can read and have their own opinion on what that meant. So being aware of those things aren't things that you just learn in life unless you learn them and it's a hard thing to learn. It's a lesson that you don't want to learn just going through life. It's a lesson that should be taught and it's a lesson that should be brought into general conversation when being handed social media from a parent or a guardian or an adult. I was handed a laptop in middle school and it was something that every year we got laptops, we got tablets, we got headphones, we got everything that because we got sponsors at our school and we were handed these laptops and were expected to write essays and write papers and submit assignments and never write on a notepad with a pencil ever again. But I could get on Twitter and the teachers didn't care. And I could go on social media in my free time because it was study hall and I had nothing else better to do. But they didn't know what I was doing. They didn't know how to use it. And so making sure that everybody is aware and educated is making sure that you aren't selfish and making sure that you could be the solution to an issue. You could keep something from happening five, 10 years down the road. Just be smart and teach your kid how to be smart online. That's a really, really good message because I've always feared this generational gap that we're seeing in part because of technology and differing cultural attitudes. But it seems like, you know, the message that you're providing really, I think for me, gives me a feeling that multiple generations can work together. This is not, this cannot remain one generation's problem. In fact, you know, it's, we're, in fact, we're dealing with families and uh, friends and really the social support system that that we all like to cherish. And I, I just really, I really love that part. And my high school had iPads too, that, that they gave out to in 10th grade. And let's just say that there were some kids in, in class, in the classrooms who were doing things that were definitely not related to economics, definitely not related related to math. And oh boy. And that, that was interesting. Anyway, um, so I'd like to just touch upon the policy and the legislative solutions. And now we don't have the perfect answer, every single one of us, but we can find ways, I think, systems to come together and find those solutions. So are there any policy and legislative solutions that you think could be viable uh, in order to encourage people to be more respectful and really also maybe rein in the social media companies and tell them, look, you you can be in the private sector, but you don't have to be the enemy of this entire process. Right. Social media is not the enemy. I tell everybody that when parents try and tell me that they're just not going to give their kid a phone until they're 15. And because when they're 15, then they'll understand That isn't right because then that creates a gap that creates that trust issue that creates that kids are hiding things from their parents because they don't want their parents to know, or they think that their parents won't understand. Social media isn't the enemy. These private sector companies like Apple or anything like that, that's handing you the technology to then give your kids is not the enemy. The people that are sitting behind those phones and typing out the negativity are the enemy. And that could be your kid. If you aren't aware and not educated, your kid may be bullied, but your kid also may be the bully. Follow your kid on social media. When we're talking about legislative policies or anything that I personally think should be put into place, as I mentioned, I think social media should be something that's taught in schools. I think it is something that could have been very beneficial for me when I was handed a laptop because I didn't really know anything other than 
trial and error type this. It doesn't work. Try it again because nobody taught me. They just expected that since I was young and since I grew up in this generation that has technology that I should just know how to use it. And if we want to take it even further, I think the easiest, smallest thing that any technology thing could do, technology department, technology company, is having that you do have those if you think about it, like the here, click this or skip, like here to te- learn how to use this or at the bottom it says skip and learn later. Get rid of that skip and learn later. Try and educate people right when they open that new phone box, right when they open that laptop that they got for the first time. Those lessons and those instructions are things that do take time and nobody really wants to do, but it is it could end up, and this sounds so dramatic, but it's true, it could end up with life or death. At the end of the day, those instructions, that education that you are skipping and going to later, later I had air quotes there, but nobody can see that, go to later is it's not right. Everybody needs to be educated. And even if you think you're too far along, oh, my kid is 18, they can do what they want. Okay, that's fine. They can do what they want. But you also are able to do what you want. And I encourage you to still take the time to educate yourself so you can say, oh, hey, did you see what was on Instagram the other day? Your kid will be shocked. Absolutely mind blown that you were actually on social media and know how to use it. And they might be more aware of what they're putting out online just because they know that they have an extra set of eyes looking at it. So whether it is teaching social media in schools. I know a lot of people, a lot of students see teachers as adult figures, as parent figures. Being that parent and teaching them, if they aren't able to be taught at home, that is a perfect way for everybody, everybody in the school system to then be educated and go on and live their lives in a way that they know how to use social media. Again, that choice is there. Putting in those policies, putting in those um, instructions, requirements, things like that, there is still that choice for people to say, "Uh, I don't care and do the negative actions online. But I truly believe that there would be less of that if there were certain policies put into place. Absolutely. And one final question before we get to the reflection part, I call the reflection part where we kind of tie in some of these things to Washington's farewell address and some of the principles that I talk a lot about in every single episode, uh, which is how do we bring people together, just generally speaking, it doesn't have to be related to social media exactly, but what's your message to people who are looking for an arena or a group of people who just want to practice, you know, being respectful and especially in civil discourse. Um, because I know people are, might, might be thinking, well, you know, I'm on social media of my own world, but you know, wh- whom do I turn to when it regards, with regards to maybe an online community, but also in person community, how can people just get that practice to, to look for, for places where you can have some civility and have these important conversations. I think social media is a great place to remember that you are on an application with millions of other people. And no matter what you're going through, somebody else could be going through the same thing. So whether it be through hashtags, you can find groups or through usernames and you can find um, other groups and things like that that are going through the same thing as you or find posts that are talking about things that you're going through and how they're overcoming it. I think it's a great thing. I, that's why I never say social media is the enemy because there's also so many pros to it. I mean, 
people need to remember that we are all in this together. Again, this past year showed us that everything, when the world is crumbling, the only thing we got is ourselves and the people that we love around us. And a lot of that turned into people that we see online. I mean, I saw my boss every day through a camera and I was wearing sweatpants, but she didn't know like (laughs) things like that. You're you're still communicating. Like that is still face-to-face communication. And Social media isn't negative. It's positive. And you are able to find people just like yourself. I have so many friends that I've met on social media that I've never met in real life. And I know that they're there with me. And if I need them, they're there. They're friends. They're real people that I can count on. But everybody has that. It's not that I was just lucky and was able to find somebody that I consider a friend. Social media can be the friend. Social media is an amazing place to connect everybody and show each other that you are not alone and I support you and I am here for you and let's let's protest for this and let's let's come together about this and I will teach you about this and I love seeing the tweets and the Facebook posts that are teaching other people about something and making sure that there aren't those one-sided stories and reading through the comments that are like, thank you so much for explaining. I understand now. I get it. Social media is such a powerful tool that everybody is able to use and highlighting those pros is what continues to keep it going. It's not the negativity. People don't like hearing negative stories every day, but there's those positive ones that come from social media too, that always have to be brought up. And I think if we're tying it into the farewell address, it's the education. There's an education part to social media that everybody needs to be a part of. And education is something that is allow, it allows you to grow or it stalls your life and you are just stuck at a lower level of education than others. And being stuck is where problems happen. We need to make sure that we're all having the opportunity to be educated on this new world that we're all walking in together and being there for one another in a positive, supportive way. Well, you've hit the nail right on the head. I was definitely going to bring up education because that's, in case some people haven't noticed, it's been a word that we've been uttering quite a bit over the last 51 minutes, uh, clearly representing how important it is. uh, And that's one of the reasons why it is a pillar. And Brynn, out of all of the other five, we set aside education uh, for one of the pillars. If there was another one of these values, uh, patriotism, faith, national unity, fiscal responsibility, and civility, which one of those you think would also be very relevant and pertinent to our conversation today and about some of the things that we will be discussing as a society further down the line? Absolutely national unity. As I've mentioned, there is that dividing factor and bias can come from it, but we have to recognize the positive side of social media. And you're able to unite everybody. You're able to unite those strangers that didn't know each other on Twitter or on Facebook or on Instagram. And they have similarities, but they also have differences. And you're able to come together and learn about those on a platform. I mean, worldwide, even there are worldwide users and you can learn so much about other people, other people's cultures, their backgrounds, why they think the way they do from those 140 characters that they put out to the world. So national unity is, is it it's education and national unity. And it's the way that we use it. We have that choice. So we can choose to bring everybody together, or we can choose to continue to be judgmental to other sides and other people's opinions. I really truly hope, and this is something that I'm always pushing for with TBH, is to be open and understanding and listening. You don't have to agree with somebody, 
but that doesn't mean you have to fully ignore them and think they're the worst person in the entire world. You can still be together and you can put the differences aside and realize that good people are good people until they do something bad. And just because they think a certain way, if you, you need to listen to that story, that, that reasoning why behind that answer. And once you do, I promise that if you actually truly actively listen and try to understand why they think the way that they do, something in your mind will click and be like, oh, I understand. I didn't have that experience. So that's why I think this way. But moving forward, I can accept you as a person and we can find other things that we do agree on. That is where social media is so, so beneficial. And it's something that we should definitely try and promote more as we are going forward in this new technological world. Fantastic. And I think it's a great transition to civility as well. Uh, something, another pillar that I mentioned. And it just goes, I think it goes to show that you know, the foundations and the ideals that we put together for America uh, can transcend so many years, even though this is a, such a new era compared to the 1790s. However, I, I really see a lot of these parallels because, you know, the ideals and the values that we should hold dear don't change. Um, and I, I, I really appreciate that, Britton. Now, uh, as we kind of close to uh, the end of our episode, I like to, first of all, uh, give you a chance to add any closing remarks and a message you'd like to send to the listeners and to those who are uh, may perhaps looking f- for a, another support system. Absolutely. I mean, if I could end anything, it's just my closing remark that I always say. It's something I say to myself every day. In a world where you can be anything, be kind. I hope that once you hear this and if you go on with your regular day after, you just take one moment to be kind to somebody else, whether it's a compliment, a smile, even helping somebody out. Just taking that moment to help others is crucial for personal development and just positivity overall. Um, If you are looking for other resources, you can always go to BrittonBennett.org. You can follow me on social, and I'm always here to have those tough conversations if you are looking for guidance or if you are a parent that doesn't know where to start. I am always here. Think of me as your child. Think of me as your um, Gen Z, Gen X. I don't even know what generation I'm in, honestly, but I'm like your Gen Z tour guide through this new technological world, and I'm so happy to be here for you, and I am the least judgmental, least scary person. So come on into my DMs. They are wide open. Fantastic. Um, I, I I happily welcome you aboard the Gen Z uh, generation, Britain. Uh, I believe that's generally speaking. Is that what we are? Uh, yes, yes. I was born in ni- okay. uh, 97. So if you were born okay. after that, uh, you are... Well, 99. I'm like middle of 99. That's why I'm like, I'm kind of in the middle, right? Am I like Gen <laughs> Y? What am I? You still experience about six months of the 90s, which is the most important thing. I think one of the greatest <laughs> right. decades out there, even though I was too young to really remember, but... Yeah, I, it still counts. So I'm just glad about that. I know. I'm a 90s baby. No matter how many people tell me I'm not, I am a 90s baby. 99. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Britton, I want to thank you so much for coming on to Friends and Fellow Citizens. You know, Not only do I admire your platform so much and some of the wonderful things that you've gotten to share with us today – I also just want to remark that I also love your first name too, because I went to school in Great Britain. And so it, no it, 
Yes. <laughs> I, I'm a King's College, awesome. King's College London is my alma mater, and I hope that they will also love your name too. <laughs> but well, I need to let you know. I know that this is running over, but I need to let you know that my sister, I have a younger sister. Her name is Ireland. My parents named us Britain and Ireland because oh. they thought we were going to fight a lot. And unfortunately, that was definitely the case with two teenage girls growing up at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, so my, my sister and I are named after countries. So I'm glad that you love it. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And I, I love that place a lot. Um, it's uh, it's such a special ally, clearly, in the realm of politics. But also, I think it extends so much, culturally speaking. But oh, again, sure. again, Britain, again, really, I really, really appreciate you coming on to Friends of Fellow Citizens. And I'll be sure to link those links down in the show notes below so people can check it out. But I want to thank you really for, for coming on to our 50th episode of Friends of Fellow Citizens. Woohoo! Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much, ladies and gentlemen, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Make sure to check out the links that Brent has provided now in the show notes below. Have a great rest of your day, rest of your week. And remember, a day in America always gets better when we are with our friends and fellow citizens. And I'll see you next time.